Hi, I'm Carmen LaBerge. Thanks for listening to the podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBerge. Inspiring you to bring God back into the conversation of the day. This is Mornings with Carmen LaBerge on Faith Radio. Monday, the 17th of February. This is the second hour of Mornings with Carmen. If you missed the first hour, you can always grab it as a podcast later today at MyFaithRadio.com. In the first part of the first hour, we actually spent some time in President Washington's farewell address from 1796. So I would encourage you to uh, go and listen to that. We also talked in the second half with Ruth Kramer from Mission Network News and got an update about our brothers and sisters in Christ around the globe and many of the challenges that they are facing in particular places. Um, So those are sort of hashtag pray the news prayer concerns, but also um, opportunities for you to engage on behalf of our brothers and sisters in Christ around the world. During this hour, we're going to talk with Greg Gantz, author of Healing Depression for Life, and then we're going to have our weekly conversation with David Aikman. Uh, He and I are going to, uh, we're going to start off with a conversation about the coronavirus, um, which continues to spread. And uh, and the origins of which are now um, becoming a pretty interesting conversation. Maybe it actually started in a Chinese lab where, you know, bats were infected. And by the way, that's in the same neighborhood as this open air food market where the Chinese government initially said the outbreak um, started. So all kinds of opportunities for conversation um, about global intrigue uh, in, in that segment. Let me lead off with uh, encouragement again to be in the Word of God before you are in the world. And then also just recognize that um, I, I got a I got an email from a listener who's concerned that, you know, there's like evidence that the congregation of which she is a part um, is moving in a progressive direction. Um, friends, vigilance is important, and you are a person who is invested with the power of the Holy Spirit, and you know the Word of God because you've been in it. And so you are um, a responsible agent Uh, of God's grace to stand up when you see evidence that there's false teaching within your own church. Like if you worship in the context of a congregation where false teaching is present, then you are actually the Christian who is in that environment who is supposed to stand up. In order to stand up, you better suit up. So let me encourage everybody again to intentionally put on the full armor of God today. You can actually turn to Ephesians chapter 6 and actually just like stand before the Lord this morning and intentionally Gird yourself with truth. Intentionally put on the the breastplate of righteousness. Intentionally put on the helmet of salvation. Don't get out there into the world, um, you know, with with all your little smushy, fleshy parts exposed. Let's armor up. Uh, okay, depression is real, and depression has a myriad uh, myriad causes in the culture today. Uh, how we deal with it as Christians is different than how the world deals with it. Um, And so we're going to talk with Greg Gantz, author of Healing Depression for Life. That's up next here on Mornings with Carmen. Welcome back to Mornings with Carmen. I am joined by Dr. Gregory Jantz. He's a licensed mental health uh, counselor 
He's got a doctorate in counseling psychology. He's a world-recognized expert and innovator in the treatment of behavioral disorders and addictions. Uh, he's a best-selling author of 39 books, including his latest, which he is here to discuss with us today, Healing Depression for Life. Dr. Jantz, welcome to Mornings with Carmen. Oh, good to be with you, Carmen, and such a significant, important topic right now. Absolutely. Um, when we when we talk about, when, anytime we have a conversation about depression, um, we get a lot of listener feedback um, just acknowledging that that's where they're living, it is where their kids are living, or their parents are living, or their spouse is living, or their coworkers are living. People need a lot of help in this area. And um, the combination of, let's say, treatment with, you know, with prescription medication and talk therapy does not work for everybody. So let's talk about this very holistic, personalized approach um, that you take in healing depression for life. Yes. And first of all, there are so many people who are suffering from depression. This is our 36th year year of uh, treating depression and anxiety. And I just want to say uh, just a special um, note to those that really are struggling and you feel like, you feel like, man, I've tried everything and there's nothing that's worked because um, that's the place that many people are. And, you know, Carmen, the World Health Organization does tell us that depression is the number one, they call it a disability, I mean, in the world. And so this is a worldwide issue we're talking about. So we, we all are affected by it. If it's not us, we have a loved one. And so when you look at, well, how do I take care of this? What do I do? Um, you know, most people, as you've said, they do get on medication and, and that can be a good place to start. But here's what happens as time goes along, people go, wow, something's missing. I, I'm, I'm not doing better. And, and, and then, then we do the next thing. We try another medication and, and we kind of get stuck in that single only approach. And uh, I want to encourage folks because if you are depressed, and this may sound strange to say, uh, as far as this time in history, we have more options and more ability to help than ever before. But people just don't understand what all the options are. So I, I want to just share today, there are options. So when we, um, when we talk about the, the range of treatments, and maybe that's not even, maybe it's more like the constellation of approaches. Maybe it's this multiphasic sure. approach that you're taking. Um, we're talking about treating the mind, the soul, and the body. Um, talk about that. Talk about whole person treatment. Yeah, uh, and this, this has been a little while ago, but in the early 80s, we started this thing called whole person care. And we said, okay, if you're depressed, um, let's look at how God designed us. We've got the uh, physical side of ourselves, which is nutritional, our medical, exercise, lack of exercise, uh, everything under the physical heading. Of course, there's uh, the spiritual side, there's relationships, there's our history, uh, intellectual. There's even an area of life, I would say, life purpose and life meaning. And so we, we need to look at every missing potential missing piece to the puzzle. And uh, we do look at folks, uh, we're, I'm from the center of Place of Hope, and we look at people as a, well, as a big puzzle, as a thousand piece puzzle. And our goal, and to be prayerful and look at uh, all the different options, uh, where's the missing pieces to this person's puzzle? And so that whole person uh, is just a different way of looking at it, where we even look, okay, is there, is there nutrient deficiencies? Is there... Um, uh, vitamin D deficiency? Is the thyroid uh, not working properly? Is there brain in imbalance? 
Is there something called lack of forgiveness in this person's life that's created bitterness? I mean, we want to we really get in there and be the detective and go, I want long-term recovery. What do I have to do? So um, we're talking about Dr. Jantz's book, Healing Depression for Life, the personalized approach that offers new hope for lasting relief. Um, it really, it really is an offer of hope, and it is, um, it's a walk around in this conversation. But it's also got some really good, I don't know, self evaluative tools, some lists, some, uh, some questions to ask yourself. Some, uh, you do give people a little, a little window into the approach. Like, right, you're, you're. It's not like you can totally self-diagnose and walk yourself through this all by yourself because it is important to walk this journey with others. But it really is – the book is comprehensive. We want it to be as comprehensive as possible because we understand, you know, not everybody can come to see us at the center of Place of Hope. But we can give them a lot of ideas. We want to uh, give them a – kind of a, a mental toolbox, so to speak, where they're able to look at, okay, have I tried this? Is this something I need to do? And I can be overwhelming. Here's the thing. When you're depressed, you tend to isolate. You go, uh, I don't really want to be with people, and and uh, being social is difficult. Sometimes we isolate and we just turn to food. You know, just talked with somebody yesterday who said, you know what, all I do is I come home from work, I go on the sofa, I turn on the TV, and I eat about a half a gallon of ice cream every night. Mm. You know, so where where you're more, and that's a lot of ice cream, but um, the point is food was her friend, and food is her mood uh, modulator. It's a way of changing my mood temporarily, but, you know, she went on to say that every night I'm going to bed with tears because I regret what I've done. And so we need to look at, okay, how can we reach out? And it reaches a point, you know, depression can lead you along that path of, well, of helplessness. Depression can lead you on that path of hopelessness. And once you feel hopeless, that's when we start thinking those irrational thoughts like, well, it'd be better off if I wasn't even around. And, and you start thinking about what would it be like if I took my life? And that's the scary, scary path that depression can take us on. Okay, so I am talking with Dr. Jantz. He is from A Place of Hope. You can find it at aplaceofhope.com. We're talking today about his newest book, Healing Depression for Life. Um, My listeners know, Dr. Jantz, that I love appendices to books. And my favorite appendice in this book is Appendice 3, Whole Health Matters, Seven Ways to Take Responsibility for Your Wellness and Relieve Your Depression. So I'm just going to read the seven things before you and I have to take a quick break. Sure. Don't don't ignore what ails you. Number two, stop procrastinating. Number three, stay current in your particular condition, on your particular condition. Assess your medications. Be your own advocate. Keep good records of your health history. And number seven, enlist an accountability partner. Um, so I, I want to I wanted to share that appendice with you as you listen today. Um, to recognize this is a super practical. Um, it's also really um, it's in depth and it's not crazy long. And so I appreciate that as well. It's healing depression for life. We're going to continue our conversation with Dr. Gregory Jantz right after the break. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. No, I'm a- Continuing my conversation now with Dr. Gregory Jantz, author of Healing Depression for Life. Um, Dr. Jantz, 
part of this entire approach grows out of your own experience. Would you be willing to share that? Yes. You know, in the oh, late 80s, I was, I was new to the field. I was a new counselor. I, I was passionate. I was excited about what I was doing. And, and my goal really was I wanted to help people. And I really wanted to be excellent. And so, but I, I didn't practice really well. And this is my confession. I didn't practice really well what I was preaching, so to speak. I would, um, you know, see way too many appointments. I was working a lot with eating disorders. We had designed a plan to treat um, the whole person approach to anorexia and bulimia. And, and I had success. And, and we had started the Center of Place of Hope. And one of the things that was happening was, um, you know, when you overwork and you st- I stopped exercising, my nutrition was terrible and, and I gained a lot of weight. I looked terrible when I look at pictures from way back then. And um, I just developed a very slow, low-grade uh, depression. And over time, that, that slow, low-grade depression got worse and worse and worse. And I remember, you know, getting up in the morning going, ah, ah, it takes energy just to breathe. I, I, and, I, and, you know, when it takes energy just to breathe, you know you're depleted. So I was emotionally, physically, and uh, um, spiritually in every regard, I was depleted. So here's what happened. Um, I I needed somebody to throw me a life preserver. I thought, I've missed my calling. I'm going to quit what I'm doing. I wanted to run away and move and change. I was was desperate. But it was subtle, and it was sneaky. And over time, it, it really led me to a personal crisis. And I remember it, you know, it took me a, at least a good year to rebuild physically. Um, and it took the intervention of others in my life who pursued me um, to really make a turnaround. And one of the things that we do when we're depressed is we tend to um, turn to substances, we turn to food, turn to alcohol. And, you know, I found myself, I found myself doing it all um, and going, Whoa, what is what's going on in my life? So in 1989, it's been a little while ago, but um, I came to my place of personal crisis and I began the process of rebuilding my life. And really from that point on, I decided, you know what? I am going to make this a, a personal life mission to help as many people as we possibly can uh, healing with depression and anxiety. And uh, it was a few years ago, but we were voted in the top 10 places to get help for depression um, because uh, we really do believe there is hope and we're going to stay there and we're going to help put together those missing pieces to the puzzle. And I just know firsthand uh, the desperation and I know what I don't ever want to go back to and I know what it took to get well. Again, I'm talking with Dr. Gregory Jantz. You can find him at aplaceofhope.com. Uh, you can find the book we're discussing today, Healing Depression for Life, um, pretty much anywhere books are sold, um, certainly on Amazon, which tends to be the easiest uh, place to go. Um, right in the middle of the book, you are talking about good food, good mood. Um, I'll admit to you that um, uh, as a person who cooks every single day for my family um, and is you know conscious that we want to be eating clean and we want to be eating as close to the earth as we can, 
Um, but also recognizing that, um, you know, like I have an affection for dairy. Um, but as I was reading uh, this, in terms of foods that help relieve depression, I, I was kind of encouraged to see that there are actually ways to address low-grade depression um, just by what we eat and what we feed our family. Oh, that's so important to look at nutrition. So important because usually when we're depressed, most of the time we, we, well, actually we either lose our appetite or we want to eat all the time because food is our source of comfort. Well, one of the things that we look at is we look at are there nutrient deficiencies? You know, we do blood work and we look at what's going on in a person's life. And uh, nutrition does have an impact. And so we began to look at, okay, um, where's, where's the nutrient deficiencies? What needs to change and what's going in our mouth? And it's huge for most people. Um, when you're depressed, you tend not to drink enough water, by the way. You tend to drink a lot of other things. A lot of people will do, you know, diet pop or, um, but they're drinking everything but water. So we start, you know, measuring and looking at how much water is going in a person's uh, body. It can be huge. Water affects mood, concentration, energy, etc. Um, we also want to look at um, a lot of times a person is really overloaded on sugar if they're depressed. So we begin to look at that. I mean, we have dietitians and nutritionists on staff, so we're going to look at. Okay, uh, what needs to be rebuilt here? Now, we look at nutrient deficiencies, and we find a lot of people who are depressed end up having uh, vitamin B, B deficiencies, vitamin D deficiencies. And so we even do something called IV, IV nutrient therapy, where we're giving them an IV of nutrients that they are deficient in. I can only begin uh, start to tell you the wondrous effects that this may have on a person who's deficient because suddenly uh, their brain and their body is starting to get some things it needs and you start to feel you start to feel a little better uh, so uh, nutrition is huge um, people tend to skip breakfast and they, they uh, over drink on caffeine a lot of times if they're depressed now I'm I live and I'm from uh, the Seattle area uh, you know home of Starbucks so there's there's caffeine on every corner here <laughs> so, um, you know, it's everywhere. I, I, I say that um, because, you know, sometimes what we're doing, we forget. We forget the impact. Uh, we had a gentleman, and I have permission to share this, but he worked himself up to drinking between 20 and 24 cups of coffee a day. Mm. How can you think about that? How can you drink 20 to 24 cups of coffee a day? It didn't start that way, but over time, that's what he all he drank, all he ever drank his beverage, in his every day was caffeine, and he had done that for well, it was nearly twenty years. You can't drink twenty cups of coffee a day and not have that affect you, and uh, of course, he was suffering from some pretty significant depression. So, what you put in your mouth does matter. All right. So the book is full of really practical ideas. It even talks about how to sharp, uh, shop smart on a budget. Hydration is a big part of this conversation, as is um, sleep. There are opportunities um, for you to make a personal action plan related to each one of these categories. Um, and I particularly like the, like the chapter on it's time to take out the trash. So Healing uh, Depression for Life, a personalized approach that offers new hope for lasting relief. The author is Gregory Jantz. You can find him online 
at aplaceofhope.com. Dr. Jantz, thank you so much. Oh, so good to be with you. Thank you for covering this important topic. Absolutely. We look forward to talking with you again. You got it. All right. We will uh, we'll be right back. So we've actually got two copies in studio of Greg Gantz's book, uh, Healing Depression for Life. I've got two copies to give away. If you are interested, you can text the word book to 877-933-2484. I momentarily forgot the number. Uh, you can text the word book to 877-933-2484 if you're interested in a copy of Greg Gantz's book, Healing Depression for Life, that we just discussed in the last segment. Um, okay, next up, I've got David Aikman. He and I are going to, uh, well, we're going to do a little update on the coronavirus um, because it continues to spread and particularly cases are on the rise here in the United States. And so, you know, I just think that people are going to want to know about that. We're also going to talk about what that means for China uh, and their power structure. Did the U.S. actually reach a truce with the Taliban in Afghanistan? And if so, um, what, you know, what do we want to talk about there? We'll move on from there to a range of other global issues. So stay with us. You're listening to Mornings with Carmen, and we'll be right back. This is Max Licato. Make no mistake, the devil is a real devil. Every conflict is a contest with Satan and his forces. For that reason, the Bible says, though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. What are these weapons? Prayer, worship, and scripture. When we pray, we engage the power of God against the devil. When we worship, we do what Satan did not do. We place God on the throne. When we pick up the sword of scripture, we do what Jesus did in the wilderness. He responded to Satan by proclaiming truth. And since Satan has a severe allergy to truth, he left Jesus alone. Satan will not linger long where God is praised and prayers are offered. And because God's promises are unbreakable, our hope is unshakable. This is Max Locato. My name is Bond, James Bond. Joining me now, Dr. David Aikman, editor of Godspeed Magazine. Welcome back, sir. Thank you very much, Colin. Good to be on the program again. Well, we have, um, uh, it's it's now getting a little exciting for people not only on cruise ships, but for people um, in places where hundreds and even thousands of people have now disembarked from cruise liners where uh, individuals were identified as having contracted the coronavirus. And now we have a, a scramble on to identify the whereabouts of hundreds of passengers um, who left a cruise ship and then um, at least one person who had been on the cruise ship and disembarked uh, is discovered to, in fact, have the coronavirus. This gives us a sense of um, of an update today um, on what's happening, and, uh, and then you and I can talk about some of the uh, governmental impacts in China itself. Okay. Well, the British uh, are very angry at because the American passengers on the cruise ship were taken off and evacuated to the United States by an American aircraft sent by the U.S. government to bring them over, bring them out. 
But the British have not had any comparable attention from the British government. They're very angry about this because why do other countries like Australia, Singapore, and so forth, why do they take a great deal of trouble to evacuate their passengers from the cruise ship and the British haven't done anything? It's quite, uh, quite extraordinary, actually, the reaction to that. So, David, you may or may not be aware that in the United States today, we are celebrating the birthday of uh, George Washington. And so it seems it seems a good day to talk about what America is doing for its people and Britain is not. That's right. Yes. Well, President's Day is an important day in the American calendar. And of course, I enjoyed that for several years when I was uh, actually living in the United States. But the British people don't have a comparable holiday that could enable them to make similar demands on their government that the United States allows its own citizens to make of its government. So it's a very unfortunate situation. Yes, and I'll admit my question was really kind of cheeky. So I I, I wasn't really taking a swipe <laughs> at Britain. Um, I might have been. Um so let's uh, let's talk about the impact in China. Um, one of the uh, one of the news lines this morning out of China, and it was actually something that I heard over the weekend from a person who um, has been uh, serving as an American in China for a number of years, and uh, and came came back to the United States a couple of months ago, just prior to the outbreak. Uh, he he had said over the weekend, and it's now being reported in the news as well that there is a laboratory just blocks away um, from the open-air food market in Wuhan, uh, China, where, uh, where they now believe that the virus was um, probably, you know, there, there's an experiment going on. Bats were infected with the virus. Those bats then, in turn, um, somehow attacked researchers, and the researchers working within um, that, that space uh, were probably the first than human carriers of this coronavirus. Yes, that's entirely possible. There is there's long been rumors of a bio warfare establishment in Wuhan, not far from where the outbreak was first reported. And if that's the case, that shows not only that the Chinese government is proving incredibly lax about its own bio-warfare establishment, but it indicates a real serious um, negative sign on the administration of the facilities within the country. So I, I think it, I have thought for a long time, actually, that this, this corona virus scandal could turn out to be a serious blow to the uh, ability of the Chinese Communist Party to stay in power. So let's talk about that. Um, you know, let's talk about whether or not or um, or in what way the coronavirus outbreak in particular really does threaten Xi Jinping's power and his power structure in China. Well, the, the first thing is that she. Um, for the last several months, has been emphasizing the power of the central government over all parts of China. 
and the fact that regional administrations within China do not have the authority to do things that they are tending to do. So he has essentially taken responsibility for events like the coronavirus and the uh, central administration, especially of uh, public television in China, has emphasized pictures of Xi uh, or videos of Xi going to places where coronavirus has been uh, has broken out, showing him having conversations with the, the people living there. So essentially, they have identified him with the response to the coronavirus, which could be a serious disadvantage if the people of China become increasingly disenchanted with the measures that the regime has taken. And I think that's actually happening already. Well, we've got new reports out of Hong Kong of um, of new cases today. Um, you know, the the conversations that we had been having about Hong Kong and its relative independence, I guess I'm going to use that term, um, from from the governance of mainland China. Um, it, it'll be interesting, uh, I think, to watch the development of that particular storyline as we move forward. Yes, it will. I mean, obviously, the whole Hong Kong unrest for the past six months has overshadowed people's awareness of how much the central regime in Beijing was controlling the narrative of the story in Hong Kong. And the fact that you've now got the coronavirus on top of the unrest in Hong Kong for the last several months is quite a serious challenge to Xi Jinping's leadership, I think. So not that you and I are, uh, well, I'm certainly not prepared to talk about it today, but a storyline um, related to Hong Kong that I would like to have in the coming weeks is uh, is that the Chinese government has named this Jia Boalong as the lead, uh, lead officer who will be responsible for Hong Kong. And he's the same official from China who was responsible for uh, China's tearing down, you know, the crosses at churches. Um, across the mainland. So I'm definitely going to want to um, I'm definitely going to want to talk about him in the coming weeks. But you and I have to take a break. We probably should pivot to other parts of the world. Um, David, maybe when we come back, we talk about the status of the U.S. Taliban talks uh, and this and the talk of a truce in Afghanistan. Uh, so that's okay. up next here on Mornings with Carmen. We'll be right back. I'm talking with Dr. David Aikman. He is the editor of Godspeed Magazine. Um, Dr. Aikman, let's uh, let's pivot toward um, toward the Middle East. Give us an update on this U.S. negotiated truce with the Taliban. Well, it does seem, according to some media reports, that there is approaching us now a deal that would allow the United States to withdraw from from Afghanistan and without disruption by the Taliban. But that would have to include some kind of guarantee by the Taliban that they were not going to continue disrupting 
the current Afghan government. But nevertheless, the talks have been going on in Munich, and there does seem some progress in the overall conversation between the Taliban and the United States. For um, for listeners, you know, who have slept since we last talked about Afghanistan or the Taliban, um, does it surprise you as much as it surprises me that, uh, you know, we are we are essentially negotiating with terrorists? Yes, we are. And uh, the Taliban was the regime that allowed the 9-11 attack on the United States to take place from Afghan territory. And so um, you can't deny that, that they, if they came to power or if they really reinforced their power in Afghanistan, that would again reduce Afghanistan to becoming once more a terrorist territory uh, capable of attacking any part of the world that the Taliban wanted to attack. That's a very serious problem. All right, you and I probably have time to talk about one one or two more of these storylines. Let's um let's talk about Europe. You want to focus on Germany or you want to focus on this religious freedom um action taken in the Council of Europe? Well, I think Germany is a is an interesting situation because the Germans for obvious reasons have been very nervous since the end of World War II in being accused of encouraging any sort of right-wing nationalist party to advance in Germany. And with the success of the alternative to Deutschland, the AFD, which is uh, a conservative right-wing party in Germany, the, the Germans themselves are very nervous about it. And as you may remember, a couple of weeks ago, we had the resignation of the designated successor to Angela Merkel in Germany of a woman who now resigned because she felt that the uh, election in Thuringia, which is part of Germany, of a conservative right-wing political figure was really something that uh, made her succession to the position of Angela Merkel not an acceptable pathway, so she had to resign. And the Germans are particularly nervous about being labeled as, um, as people who might support or might allow the emergence of a right-wing nationalist party in that country, even though I think the actual, the actions of the alternative for Deutschland in Germany have not been particularly pro-nationalist so much as anti-immigrant. And I think one has to distinguish between nationalists who would support some kind of party uh, returning to the policies of Hitler's Nazis. Uh, We have to distinguish between that and simply a general European dissatisfaction with the policy of granting rights to immigrants that Angela 
has made a platform of a whole administration. So, David, it feels like much of this conversation um, related to Germany is about how one remembers history, uh, the history, how history is remembered and how even a particular event is remembered and retold um, and how we allow that to then affect us as a people today and going forward. And, you know, I'm 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 pointing directly here to the bombing of Dresden and how some how some people in Germany today um, would prefer to remember that as, you know, Germans being victimized versus um, the liberating act that others would point, you know, would point and say, look, Germany started this. And um, and yes, civilians lost their lives as the Allied forces brought an end to it. Right. Well, of course, it's not only Germany that feels a, a lot of distaste for the bombing of Dresden, because there are many arguments that Coming as close it did as it did to the actual end of the war, it was a very unnecessary um, suffering imposed upon German civilians, and uh, many people died in that uh, in that bombing. I don't think as many as as died in the bombing of um, Hamburg back in mm. 1943, but nevertheless. Uh, hundreds of thousands of German civilians were made homeless or killed by the bombing of Dresden. And many legitimate historians of World War II have raised the question, why was it, uh, why was it the policy of the Allies to do such a serious bombing of a primarily civilian city? so close to the end of what was going to be, well, what was acknowledged to be the imminent end of the war as a whole. A lot of people have asked that question. It's a good good opportunity for us to talk about um, all kinds of things related to history and our um, participation in events that we may not have been alive um, to experience, and certainly not people who were in positions of decision making. But just really, really critical reflections here on worldview today. David, we got to leave it right there. I look forward to talking with you again next week. Thank you uh, so much, as always. That's David Aikman. He is editor of Godspeed Magazine. We'll be right back. Okay, on this President's Day, let us uh, consider who we are as a people. Let us consider consider the sovereignty and providence of God that we live where we live. Uh, In the day in which we live, let us give glory to the Lord our God this day. Let us render our lives in service to him. Like there's all kinds of opportunities today to um, be we the people and to acknowledge what it means to be we the people. Not only we the people of the United States of America, but what does it mean for you and I to be we the people of Christ in the world today? What does it mean for me to have dual citizenship in the kingdom of heaven and in this particular kingdom on this particular day amidst the kingdoms of this world? There's a significant role for you and I to play um, in the world today as Christians. And let us uh, not only play it as a role, let us live it as a life. You are uh, Christ's ambassador in the world that he so loves today. And so let me just remind you to armor up Ephesians 6. Have a great day and God bless. Thanks for listening to this podcast of Mornings with Carmen LaBurge from Faith Radio. If you haven't, you can subscribe to automatically receive the podcast through iTunes or the Google Play Music app. 
That way you never miss an episode. It's also available anytime at MyFaithRadio.com.